our product changes behavior right everybody likes the idea of changing behavior but nobody actually wants to do it obviously right it's hard and so we knew that if if we want to change behavior not only kind of does the experience of that automation and the time that you save need to be amazing but in production when you're running this it needs to be 10x better than what an expert would have built by hand and even till today when a, when hasura gives you an api versus an api that you built by hand hasura is anywhere between 5x to 100x faster than the api that you would build i'm tanmay gopal i'm the ceo of founder at hasura this is code story the podcast bringing you interviews with tech visionaries who share in the critical moments of what it takes to change an industry and build and lead a team that has your back. I'm your host Noah Lapart, and today I'll tie my goodbye. Set out to enable the builders of the world to build modern apps much, much easier. All this and more on Code Story. Tanmay Gopal studied computer science and specialized in computer vision and machine learning. He found himself frustrated with the pace at which his research work was getting exposure, so he expedited his jump into the industry, which helped solidify the foundation for his current venture. Outside of tech, he reads a lot, hikes and travels. For the readers, he highly recommends NK Jemison, Charlie Jane Anders, and Nimoy Novak. Tanmay and his colleagues became outright frustrated with building APIs just to build products. He began wondering what it would take to not do that work anymore. And after breaking down the process to its simplest form, data mapping and security authorization, he had a bead on how to do that. This is the creation story of Asura. Asura the company and our the eponymous product is called the Hasura GraphQL engine. What the product does is it helps people automate a big part of their API development by focusing on their kind of domain data modeling and product building by being able to kind of connect to different types of data sources and provide an API automatically with just kind of declarative configuration and then that API is now consumable by other services or integrations or applications that you're building. So this is, you know, this works for transactional applications or analytical applications internal applications external applications right it removes a lot of the grunt work that you would do while building a traditional api service just to paint a rough picture of the company we've been around for about 4 years now the core of it is an open source project that we launched 4 years ago and we launched our commercial offerings just about a year and a half 2 years ago both as a cloud offering a managed cloud offering and a on prem offering bulk of us in the us uh, about 40% 40% in india and 20% all over so australia Australia, Africa, Europe, South America. It came out of anger and frustration, which was basically we were building products. We were building products, right? And we were like, this business of building APIs to build products is just terrible. Like I've already done the data modeling that I need to do. I'm I'm, I'm using a mature database that allows me to represent the models that my product needs or that my service needs. It's, it's a modern database, right? It's not a key value store. It's not a I'm I'm not chucking stuff into a file. I've done that work. I want to go build the product. Now, why am I doing this repetitive work of building these APIs that allows products and services to talk to this database? Every time you build it, it just feels like why am I doing the same thing? And so we spent a lot of time thinking about like what it would take to just not do that work anymore. Like what are the 
what's happening in this layer that needs to go away and so when we thought deeply about it we realized that in any api service that somebody builds there's essentially just two pieces of work that you're doing and the first piece of work is this kind of mapping and transformation kind of work the second piece of work that is very domain specific is is security and authorization right because you cannot give the end user direct access to manipulate centralized data right that's it everything else is performance optimization caching distribution on the edge high availability or repetitive stuff so what we did is we came up with a declarative kind of language and an approach to automate this piece by saying all you do as a developer is you step back and think about these are the models that i have these are the security rules for each of my models right and you write that in code or you configure via ui or whatever it is and you're done and your api is ready and your api is super flexible it does everything it does filtering and pagination and streaming and an- analytical workloads and joining things across multiple databases all of that is done only requires the bare minimum domain specific uh, specification or configuration and everything else is automated and it worked and we got very productive and so we were like hey maybe i think i think this feels like a good product to give to other people as well let's dive into the mvp so that first product you built right pre commercial open source uh, when when you were pissed right <laughs> tell me about that first product you built how long did it take to build and what sort of tools did you use to bring it to life it went through several iterations before it got to the shape of what the world sees as how sort of graphql engine today right the very first version of that was something that i built that automated the api development process with mongo as a database and me and one of our principal architects the two of us kind of collaborated in building this out we decided to use haskell as a programming language which was a very interesting choice and and we used haskell as a tool because what we were essentially building was a compiler that was simultaneously a web server right because you're kind of taking this language that describes your domain and just in time compiles that to the upstream queries and things that need to happen to these data sources but at the same time it's also a web server that's going to you know that needs to be low latency and highly concurrent and stuff like that and haskell was a great choice for writing that kind of a that kind of a system it's a typed functional programming language a small number of people can get really productive writing really good code and the code is very robust and so it's allowed us to kind of work really really quickly despite being so critical in the stack because of that choice of stack that we had and that the language and programming language that we made in those early days and then we started using postgres we changed the way our product would work as well from being something that was like static to dynamic like it's a runtime api service so you don't have to rebuild hasura every time you provide that configuration you don't have to recompile you just provide the configuration on the fly so it's like hasura is running you make an api call to say oh i have three new models with five new authorization rules go and so within a few seconds hasura just processes that and your api is ready right so there's no like build compile deploy step that needs to happen so we made the whole thing dynamic and we had our own api our own json api it was not a graphql api that was kind of the super super mvp when which started solving for our anger so we got to the point where we were like this addresses our pain points right but we still had to do more work to get ready to launch it so from that point how did you progress the product right and i you know the next phase is releasing the open source and then building the commercial product but i'm i'm curious about that product progression and maturation and also to kind of add a little bit of context to that how did you build your roadmap how did you go about deciding Okay, this is the next most important thing to build or to do with Azura. 
when we kind of had the core of this tech and the base idea figured out is when we raised VC we went through a few months of getting ready to launch the the first version and during that time we essentially just spent time talking to lots of different people and just showing them the technology doing like tiny hackathons and seeing how developers who we didn't know if we gave them documentation and we gave them the product what their feedback was and we used that to basically kind of realize that to to shave off things that were useful to us but would not be useful to other people and the big change that we made also was that the API that we had was our own kind of sort of restish json API we changed that to graphql because a lot of people graphql was just starting to kind of was just launched or just starting to pick up a little bit of steam and so we changed the front end of our API to not be our custom thing but to be graphql and then we kind of got to that stage is when we launched it we basically just made it open source and that was really important because it's a critical part of your stack and and so you you want to have a good user community around it so that people can understand what this is doing in this kind of very core part of your application stack right that built a lot of trust but also allowed us to kind of keep getting a lot of feedback from the community very quickly and so the first year after launch the roadmap is kind of infinite right because imagine all of the crazy stuff that people do with their apis right that you want to automate and so what we would do is after we did kind of this bare minimum thing that we knew would take care of 80% of our anger and frustration with building this layer the rest of the 20% we left open and we just kept reacting to what our user community was saying and that got us to a stage of maturity where we started seeing enterprises and large companies starting to just use it connect it to their existing data and start deploying it in production right some of the key decisions that we made at that point which are really important even today For example, a lot of people think about Hasura and they think of it as kind of like hmm this replace is kind of like a firebase thing or a backend as a service thing and what not. One of the things that we were very conscious about is that we want to make sure that we help people build APIs and enable access to existing data and not just be a tool for greenfield applications, right? Or for building new applications because there's just so much value that's kind of sitting there in this existing data that if it's mobilized, people can start building amazing applications and experiences and services. APIs with it. We took like very opinionated calls on saying that we are not going to host the database. It's a data API for your data, for existing data, right? And that allowed us to get like a breadth of users who were trying it out with their existing data and learning from them and improving the product to get to the checkpoint where we started seeing large companies connecting it to their existing data and building applications and APIs very quickly, going into production very quickly. One of our first chats with largest networking routing technology giant in the world they deployed this in production where you know they, they were like i i i would have taken a year to do this and i did this in a month those kind of opinions of like being clear about this is the place where we want to add value and what we want to focus on replacing and we don't want to do other things and it might result in us not being able to capture some users but that's okay because the long term roadmap is to replace all of the api development that people do but not replace the work that the database ecosystem is doing and how they're going to evolve right because databases are changing rapidly there's a new database every month it feels like right wasn't so 2 3 years ago but we felt like that's what would happen and that's what is happening today right you have like a literally a new olap or a new oltp or a new htap or whatever like a hybrid system that's being created every week every every month or so we wanted to enable that entire ecosystem so we took a few decisions like that that really helped us kind of mature this and get traction in mission critical environments as quickly as possible. Okay, let's switch to team. So how did you go about building your team? And specifically, you know, what did you look for in those people to indicate that they were the winning horses to join you? 
it's a little bit of a journey especially for me as a first time founder but i think what has helped is in in for example in the early days it was very much about the the kind of dna that we want to create right which is very product centric developer led community led and so the the type of people who were deeply technical very product facing very kind of mission driven right were really important and critical to the business and and still are because they're the core kind of they're the core layer that drives the business right at the same time what was really important was to complement at the kind of more executive level three of us as a founding team were very different in kind of our inclinations and skill sets but very closely aligned in what we were doing and that was really important in the early days and still is because i kind of brought up product engineering shape of the product and the company mindset my co-founder aushi brought the community and like the hustle that is required to take this out to the world the the more technical and amazing the dna of that product tech gets for a company the lesser you get of the let's go out there and make mistakes and learn and just hustle and then anand who heads of finance and operations brought in a rigor right and holding us accountable to why we're doing something and what we're doing right of like realizing that hey everything's great but like these are the steps that we need to execute on right this is the health of the business and this is the governance that is required at each stage of the business or that we need to keep an eye open for right because we still we wouldn't know what the problems are all of us are first time founders i think that grouping and that complementary kind of skill was really important in navigating the early stages of our journey and setting us up well for when we would reach certain checkpoints in the business to bring in other people to the business and to either as ICs or middle managers or executive leaders in the business who would then be able to take something and and amplify it much better than we could but it was kind of that group of people that was able to see those patterns and realize that we need those people right and then and then i think for us it became very like based on kind of where we are and what we need to do right so for example when we wanted to start building our sales engine we knew that we wanted somebody who came from an open source infrastructure background and that person would come in and kind of lead our sales right so then it became easier to understand the shape of the people that we would need for those particular things okay let's flip to scalability and this will this will be super interesting um given the product you've built so was this built to scale efficiently from day 1 or have you been fighting this as you grow or you know go more commercial tell me a little bit about that I think we built it to scale from day 1 because we knew otherwise there's no uh, it's hard to build a business around this right I I think it's I think it was more of a gut instinct that we articulated only very recently the importance of that maybe it's luck or maybe it was just good instincts that helped us that we made sure that we're going to build something that will scale from day 1 like for, for example some of the decisions that I talked to you about right where we decided not to work with not host the database but work with existing data those are kind of like product scalability things but also the technology of the product being scalable right our product changes behavior right everybody likes the idea of changing behavior but nobody actually wants to do it obviously right it's hard and so we knew that if if we want to change behavior not only kind of does the experience of that automation and the time that you save need to be amazing but in production when you're running this it needs to be 10x better than what an expert would have built by hand and even till today when a, when hasura gives you an api versus an api that you built by hand hasura is anywhere between 5x to 100x faster than the api that he would build because of that approach that we took 
and we were very conscious of that well secret sauce meaning the open source sauce or whatever right in the technique that we used to compile and create and do things and without that we would have not gotten the early mission critical option adoption right we would have gotten the kind of adoption where people are like i'm excited about this i'm building a side project and that's great that's amazing but that doesn't convert into running a workload for 20 million users on an application right like that that comes from that focus on an on somebody who's a serious engineer or an architect signing off and saying oh this is fast like this is good right like this knows what it's doing like this replaces like five years of my experience and and understanding and familiarity with the space and puts that into code as you step out on the balcony and you look across all that you've built what are you most proud of i think the team right like i love the team that we built like i've been working with folks for over 8 years across the different businesses and there are folks in the team that i've been working with for 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 a long time and seeing them grow and growing and working and tackling new problems every day and bringing new folks onto the team and just watching everybody kind of work together and be kind of that mission driven in saying this is how we want to solve the problem and i'm so happy and thankful that we have a very like very apolitical and very egoless at, at almost all layers of the team right um and and that's amazing to see because everybody just cares about like what we're doing and trying to make that better and navigating so many complexities right everything about like the pandemic and remote work and distributed teams for the first time and you know not having a product organization and only being engineering and then having that to building out a gtm team which is just like mind blowing thing for a engineering team right you're like gee what is this gtm thing sure money should just come and rain from the sky do you, do you have to build a team that does it that doesn't make any sense right like all of that all of that kind of coming together with a bunch of really good people that like gives me a tremendous amount of happiness at a day to day level and then maybe if i step back a little more i i think just the sheer number of businesses and users and applications benefiting from what we've done is kind of amazing too it's like you you step back and you're like ooh that's a lot of work that we automated like that's a lot of like actual people in the world that we made happy we made their lives better through our work and feeling that connect is is an amazing feeling too right it's a little more meta like you you won't feel that at a day to day level but at the day to day level it's the you know the team that's building all of this okay let's flip the script a little bit tell me about a mistake you made and how you and your team responded to it countless mistakes <laughs> <laughs> when we were just starting the company and the product right the product that we built was was more of a platform that solved our problems and that did did a lot of amazing things but all of these were just amazing pieces of technology and and in parts the developers that we would talk to and our internal team and other other developers who were using this tool would love and when the kind of time came to launch this as a product when we realized that these other pieces are getting in the way within a week we killed everything and we just took the data api part and moved forward with that we just killed like everything and we erased traces of that on the internet and i think that our ability to do that together from all, all the way from like kind of like an quote unquote executive team small team at that time right to individual ics who were working on it but to be able to move that quickly on something that is a tough thing to do right because it's a pretty emotional like it's an emotional thing that's like we don't realize it often but we're pretty attached to the work that we've created and the artifacts that we've created but to be able to kind of forget the past and look towards the future 
all the time without necessarily blaming anybody else right it's like yeah you built this but it's useless right like why did you do this or like why did you build like and and, and that's like a big thing but it shows up every single day even today where like our ability to fail quickly and forgive our own failures but learn from them and move fast while still preserving the team dynamic and kind of moving forward i think that represents for me the the most important thing in our ability to kind of make mistakes and learn from them right and it kind of goes back almost to like the way the company was founded and even the way that we operate day to day right which is the reason why we we don't stress about like making experiments and i think in the industry it's called win or learn right like there's no fail you win or learn right you you do a thing that is designed to win but if it fails you make sure that you learn from it and you go towards the next win and i and i think that that's like trying to drive that across the organization uh, has been useful and that kind of shows up in the day to day or every time we make a mistake and then we learn from it and we react to it right it's it's that piece so what does the future look like for the product and for your team very very straightforward <laughs> the first phase of the business is to essentially make sure that hasura is the default api in front of every single data store on the planet we started off with postgres we just added bigquery and snowflake recently we're adding support for mysql mongo this year and just like grab like we want to go kafka or redis etc um, so so just being the api in front of every single data service on the planet and really exposing their capabilities to to uh, product builders and api builders outside so that's the first phase of this is just horizontally scaling to as many sources of data that exist and and continuously kind of keeping that so when you use hasura with postgres you get what postgres is really good at when you use hasura with kafka you get what kafka is really good at right it's not the least common denominator that you're getting kind of like yeah here are the two things that are common between kafka and postgres and mysql and so those are the two things that hasura does no here are the 10 things that we do for postgres here's the 11 things for mysql here's the three things for kafka maybe there's an overlap but it's also like really bringing out the best of that data source and that's really like our product roadmap for the uh, quarters and years to come on the team side um, a lot of it is focused today on building out the gtm parts of our team we had a very nascent sales team last year and a marketing team last year and we're maturing those bits of the team this year okay let's switch to you tom who influences the way that you work name a person or many persons or something you look up to and why i think lots of people in in bits and pieces including things including some things that are controversial and and some things that i think are things that you would expect one of one of my earliest influences was this of course my 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 father he's like a powerhouse intellect right it's just like and and coupled with this like amazing discipline and rigor in the way that he just approaches things and like systematically does things and i'm like i am never going to be as good as that but i think that was a very strong early influence that's helped a lot both of my parents kind of contributing to that It's it's weird when I go back to things and I'm like a lot of the way that I operate is has been so influenced by them. But then when I kind of look at work that I'm doing today and and think about more topical influences, right? And and I look at everybody from when I when I when I look at a character like Elon Musk which is so controversial, but the ability for a person like that to still make mistakes in public at that scale is amazing, right? In every shape or form right whether you agree or disagree right like you you can agree or disagree with the person but my goodness right to just be like to have opinions that make no sense 
to decisions that are so risky right is it's just fascinating to watch a human like that operate and be like i cannot be afraid of failure because like look at that <laughs> right okay so we talked about a mistake earlier but a little bit different spin if you could go back to the beginning what would you do different or where would you consider taking a different approach doesn't have to be a mistake could have worked out but maybe you tweak it a little bit i think product engineering like product building is is art especially in the early days right but that stage of like creating nothing from something and then maturing that something a road map to mature that something which is like a 1 to 10 i think in hindsight that bias that we had to thinking of product as an art gtm is never an art gtm is science from day zero this creativity to it i don't mean it in that sense but it's measurable it's very hypothesis driven right you're creative in what you do to meet a particular hypothesis or what you do to meet a particular objective but it is literally an excel sheet from day one like day zero product is not like that product is you, you can't put that early stage of a product necessarily in excel sheet it's not easy you can put parts of it in excel sheet sure if i if i could go back and i could inculcate two simultaneous mindsets it would be that understanding of saying it's okay to be instinct driven and learn on the product side but the gdm side needs to be sciency from day one and i think the that second bit flip is something that we did a little is, is something that i feel like we learned a little late right if i could go back into that earlier we would have been where we are today like 2 years ago just just given just given the energy of the ecosystem and the product and the space that we operate in and the underlying secular forces of you know amount of data is exploding every day people want to build like a bazillion products and stuff like that okay then my last question so you're getting on a plane and you're sitting next to a young entrepreneur who's built the next big thing they're jazzed about it they can't wait to show it off to the world can we show it off to you right there on the plane what advice do you give this person having gone down this road a bit i think being intellectually honest with why you're doing that and channeling that energy appropriately would kind of be the theme of like my approach in a conversation or maybe the specifics of my conversation right it's always about saying that why are you doing what you're doing everybody can say change the world or make money or whatever but like the shape of it right the shape of the way that you want to do something why are you doing it this way and 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 then helping channel that energy appropriately because once you get very clear about why you're doing something and you can align your energy to an outcome you can also get really clear about realizing where you don't have that energy and you can't channel it towards other outcomes that are important for the business so you can you you start seeing your blind spots better and you can complement that much better right to me that's kind of like the seed and the machine that helps the product and the business keep growing right it's being able to understand like the why of why the person and the team does something and then channeling that appropriately that's great advice well tom i thank you for being on the show today thank you for telling the creation story of asura thank you so much for having me on and this concludes another chapter of code story Code Story is hosted and produced by Noah Labhart. Be sure to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the podcasting app of your choice. And when you get a chance, leave us a review. Both things help us out tremendously. And thanks again for listening.
Protect your dream home with American Family Insurance. And you can weather any storm. You'll also save up to 25% by bundling home, auto, and life. American Family Insurance. Get a quote. Find an agent at AmFam.com. Products not available in every state. Discounts may not apply to all coverages on an auto or home policy. Discounts do not apply to life insurance policies. Visit AmFam.com to learn how discounts may apply to you. American Family Mutual Insurance Company, S.I. and its operating companies, American Family Life Insurance Company, 6000 American Parkway, Madison, Wisconsin.